Welcome to the Spiritual AF Life Podcast, a magical place where your host, Heather Danielle, psychic medium, will bring the mystical woo-woo world down to earth in practical ways. Tune in every Monday for your weekly reading and on Wednesdays to hear fascinating conversations with spiritual experts, uplifting stories, and deep dives into the metaphysical world, all to help you tap into the invisible guidance that's all around you. It's time to start living a spiritual AF life. Get cozy, the conversation is starting now. Today on the show, we have a very special guest and one of my most favorite people in the world, Renee. So Renee is a public speaker. She's an author, a coach, and a consultant who helps people take back control of their weight, their health, and their life. She's also known as a sugar detox coach. So you might be thinking, wow, Heather, like what is going on? Why is she so special to have on the spiritual AF life? Well, it's really crazy because we are going to get into more of her story, but it's really amazing to find out that her father's passing and the relationship that she had with her father and a car accident that she was in all had this crazy play on how she changed her life around to where she ended up losing like 120 pounds without drugs and medication. And we dive in deep into some of the health things and the relationships that we have with food and why we have it with food. And then also how in the world can we really heal from relationships if that person is passed? Because sometimes that relationship can still be affecting us in our day-to-day life and we don't even realize it. And it's really cool how we share a lot of the similar stories, even though we we come from completely different backgrounds. I know that you are going to love all the stories that we share and all the golden nuggets that Renee is going to bring to the table today for you. So let's dive in right now. Thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation with you. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's been a very interesting journey, I guess you would have to say. (laughs) Oh, oh, I know it has been. And you know what? I really want to know what when you think about the start of your journey, where does that take you back to? Um, actually, that takes me back to when I was a little girl, when I was five years old, which ironically, it had, it's so intertwined because um, one of my earliest memories is I was five years old and I was sitting in a park and I was looking at this blueberry muffin that had a beautiful sugar crystals on it. And I was just like picking them off one by one and just so focused on my blueberry muffin But at the same time, my father had brought me to the park and he was in the background, like, you know, this isn't anything that you did. It's not your fault. And he was simultaneously telling me, you know, that he couldn't see me anymore. His new wife, you know, didn't want kids. And so it was one of those, if I just focus on this blueberry muffin and how delicious it is and how beautiful these sugar crystals are, like all of this outside pain will not exist. And, you know, I ate my blueberry muffin and, you know, just like, as he said, we went home, he dropped me off at my mother's house. And again, just repeated that, you know, it's not anything that you did. I love you so much. And I just want you to know that. And then off he went and I didn't see him again until I think I was 16 years old. And we're talking like zero contact, no phone calls, no birthday cards, no nothing. And so I grew up really using food as a really big comfort as like food has always been there for me. It's never left me. And I find that issue with so many people of using food as comfort. I mean, they call it comfort food for a reason. Right. And so 
really struggled with my weight and food for a very long time, all the way up until my thirties, um, being a food and sugar addict, really just, especially sugar, man, that was one of my, my, I used to eat sugar crystals out of the box. So it was something that I grew up just diving into that comfort. Anytime things were uncomfortable, anytime real life hit the fan, anytime, you know, people would leave or boyfriends would break up, like all of those things. I just used food as a big comfort. Um, and that really was tied in very ingrained, very, very early and young. Um, and I feel like more just also that self-worth aspect of, you know, well, my father left me, my own father. So, you know, food will never leave me. And that's how I kind of like dove right into it. Oh my gosh. And now you are actually a coach now. And do you see the same thing playing out with other people that you work with? Yeah. Um, it took a big, uh, a big, I say, oh, it's, you know, I'm so stubborn. It took a big truck to hit me in the face <laughs> for me to make a big change. And so um, I had a car accident in 2015. Ironically, my father passed away right before my car accident, um, approximately like two months before. And I was actually go going to the gas station to get a candy bar and a pack of cigarettes. And, you know, I ended up getting T-boned on my driver's side. So that kicked off a whole huge area of my life that I had no idea was going to be a trajectory. And it, it led me down a path of getting healthy uh, mentally and physically. I lost 120 pounds without surgery or medication. And so now I use that to help other people get their health and their weight loss in check. But again, not dealing with just, oh, nutrition and working out, just dealing with the whole person as a whole, because that's what it really requires if you want to have weight loss and you want to continue to stick to it and have that. Because if you have self-worth issues like I did, you can lose weight, but that's going to come right back on. Because if you don't feel worthy of being at that health and that weight and, you know, having that confidence or having that lifestyle, um, it's just going to pile back on. So I see that emotional aspect again and again, where a lot of other coaches or programs really don't address it. And that's a huge puzzle to helping people kind of get clear and, and get healthy on their track of what they want. Oh my gosh. There's so many questions because you're right. We are bombarded all day long. It seems with like different health, you know, ways and different health people and then the influencers and things like that. But I don't think that a lot of people think about it in the way that you kind of just explained to us. And so in that moment, was it your car accident or your father's death that really got you onto this path that you're on now? Or is it both? Um, I would have to say it's both and it's intertwined because my father passing, I thought healed a huge part of that aspect of feeling left and abandoned, even though it didn't fully heal it, it healed some part of the aspect of it. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm okay with this. Like I can just keep it moving. And then the car accident happened and it was like that, <laughs> that immediate stop, the universe going, um, no, ma'am, you are not on the right path and we need to go this way. So I definitely followed down that track. And then even within that weight loss journey and still starting coaching and doing all of that and helping other people uncovered those layers of what I thought was healed and then peel back more layers of going, mm, maybe there's other aspects into that that aren't healed, which actually led me to, I, I got a psychic medium reading, gosh, this has to be, I'd say four years ago now. So and what, how old were you when your father passed and you had a car accident? 
Um, I was 32, 32, 32. And so then about four years ago is when you had a, your very first psychic medium reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah I had a reading before that, but it really wasn't like very pinpointed. And it was something that I was really like, uh, I didn't walk away feeling really great about it. So I gave it another shot and all day that day, um, one of the people that I really wanted to hear from was my best friend. Uh, my best friend, Rhea, I moved up to Oregon to surprise her. And she and I kind of were like those friends that you could go six months without talking. And then you pick right back up and you're like, oh, um, so she passed actually six months after I moved to Oregon and I helped her daughters through the grief process and all of that. So all day before that reading, I had, I was talking to her. I was like, listen here, lady, you better come through because I want to talk to you. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, my father's on the other side. And I was like, excuse me, sir, you do not need to interject yourself into this conversation. Nobody needs to hear from you. And ironically, during that psychic medium reading, my friend was like in the back. She's like, she's in the background. She just wants to let you know she's here and loves you. And, um, but there's a man here and he's, you know, with the father energy and he's coming in waving the white flag. And I just stopped and I was like, really? We have to hear from you, sir. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And so what was your relationship relationship like when he passed? Because I noticed there's some apprehensiveness there with you wanting to talk to him on the other side. Well, I really didn't. Um, so he came popped back in my life when I was 16. He had gotten remarried and you know, his new wife was like, You have a child that you don't talk to? Like, what is going on? And I had his only child. So we kind of reconnected a little bit, but it was a very strained relationship on on our sides because he couldn't understand that he couldn't just like pop back in and everything would be fine. So we had a lot of tension for a couple of years. And then right when I was about 21 years old, I kind of was like, this is not going to work because you're not willing to take that accountability on your part of what happened. So, you know, we were completely separated. It was a no contact type of a situation. And when he passed, I was not in contact with him at all. Um, I did speak with his, you know, his widow at the time, and she actually flew me out to go to the memorial. And so it was a very hard thing to sit at his memorial and have all of these people get up and tell about what a great man he was and what a great friend he was and all of these things and just sit back going, why couldn't I have that experience? So we had pretty much zero relationship for most of my life. Oh my gosh. So now with that all being said, now we find yourself in this spiritual moment with the psychic medium. And she's like, Hey, he's coming in waving the, the white flag. And I just got chills. So it's like, Oh my gosh, that moment must've been crazy. What were you thinking? And then what happened after that? Well, I, as soon as she said, um, he's coming in and waving the white flag, I looked at her and I said, as he should be waving that white flag, you know, like, <laughs> what do you want? What do you have to say for yourself? And when she started explaining and she said, well, he really wants to tell you that number one, he realizes all the mistakes that he made, you know, now, you know, on the other side where you, you find out and you have this, you know, bird's eye view. So instead of taking that emotional stance, you can really see, okay, well, here's what I did in, in, you know, real life. And this is how it might've affected people. And her biggest message was he wants to let you know that the things that he did and the way that he, the lack of love that he gave you 
affected how you accept love and also love yourself. And I was just like blown away because I was like, that, that puts the nail right on the head. Like, of course, because it affected my self-worth and my willingness to accept love from not only other people, but even myself throughout my entire life. And so to hear that come through on a reading and have that confirmation and then that peel back another layer of, wow, okay, yeah, that really did affect how I accepted love and also how I treated myself all of these years going through. And it was really just one of those eye-opening moments of going, wow, I actually just got the confirmation that I needed, you know, being this little girl and now I'm this you know, mid thirties woman who's helping other people get their life together. And I just started bawling. And it was one of those, those moments where you're like, wow, I really needed to hear that. And I didn't realize how badly I needed to hear it. Oh my gosh. I, I love that you said that too, because as a psychic medium, bringing in people, sometimes, you know, people are very apprehensive about the spirit that comes in. And I've had that happen before too, where I'm like, okay, you just need to, I'm just going to give you the message. That's it. And we'll let them go. You know, because I don't think that they realize that sometimes the words that they can say, or just opening up a little bit of that communication with the other side can really like help out you in your life. And I feel like that's what happened with you. Is that when you had the aha moment with the blueberry muffin when he had left that day, or did you already know that that was a connection? that you had with food and in that situation with him already? I knew that that was a connection that I had with food because that's out of all of that day. Like, I can't even remember all of the words that he said, what else we did at the park, you know, any of those things. I just really remember hearing him in the background of being, you know, this isn't your fault or anything you did. But I really remember that core memory of the blueberry muffin. Even now, like I can picture exactly what it looks like sitting on the bench, you know, eating this blueberry muffin. So I knew that that was really part of that connection of why I really dug into emotional eating. Um, and then realizing again, that that's how I accepted love and also loved myself. That was that aha moment where it was like, wow, okay. Yeah. I think I have some more healing to do around this aspect of it. Isn't it so funny to think about like situations like that were really like leading your life in a way, you know, and you didn't even realize it. And like something that's coming up for me is that I have always loved lunchtime. Like I don't want breakfast. I have nothing to do with breakfast unless we're eating out. And for so many years, I'm like, why do I love breakfast? And my, uh, I love lunch. I mean, and my husband would be like, Hey, well, let's have lunch now. And I'm like, no, you can't have lunch till 11 o'clock. Like who does that? And I remember thinking that, and I remember, you know, like, Hey, if we're gonna have breakfast, we have to go out to breakfast, but it took me so many years. And I mean, like into my adulthood, maybe late 20s early 30s until I realized wait a second that's my grandma because grandma and me would always have lunch together and she never ever had lunch before 11 o'clock like you had to have lunch at 11 o'clock or later and then if you go out to we would go out to breakfast you know um, after school sometimes and I hate breakfast food but I love the experience of going out to breakfast even still to this day but at least I know now that it's connected to memories of my grandmother so even my husband's yeah. like why do you why do you love going out to breakfast so much and I'm like because it's the experience and it brings me back to those childhood memories where I didn't have a lot of really good memories but some of the, those of the best memories I had was going out to breakfast because they would always like make us skip school, you know, and go to the doctors. And then afterwards we'd always go to breakfast and then also having the lunch with my grandma, because I would always be staying home from school for some reason. And it was always just me and her. And that was me and her time. And it's so funny to hear your story. And it's like, wow, that was governing, if you will, you know, my path for so long, I didn't even know it. Yeah. 
Yeah, isn't that crazy? And then even on a reading with you, we were talking about, um, I know I have things running around my house and all these, you know, what I live on a, a street called Do Ghost Dance Circle, for goodness sakes. Oh my so, God. <laughs> there's things that go on. And even in your reading, he popped up again. And I'm just like, why are you still here? Like, hello. And you had said, you know, he just wants to let you know that he's here. He's basically just running around monitoring everything and, and he will never leave. He's not leaving. And that was another aspect of going, wow, he left me in my childhood, but now in, you know, in the other realm, he's like, I'm not leaving. I know I did that as a mistake already. So I'm not doing that again. So it's just, you know, you go back to those little aspects of it. And especially when it comes to, to, to tying emotional things to eating, they're so closely linked and we don't even realize it a lot of times, especially when people are trying to lose weight. They're like, oh, why can't I just get this? Like, what is wrong with me? And I used to say that to myself all the time. Like, why can't I just keep this? Like, why can't I just do this? What's wrong with me? And it's that if you haven't, you know, tried to even just start to uncover those emotional aspects or those emotional ties that you have with food, it feels impossible. And it will, you know, just will always pop up again and again and again. So it's, it's crazy that he's continued to pop up several times. And I'm like, you're still here, sir. Okay. <laughs> so what happened after the reading? So I think that you said that you were working with people on this kind of thing before the reading, but did afterwards, like, did your health change more? You know, did you just have more enlightenment? Did anything happen afterwards after you found out like he really ain't going anywhere or waving the right flag? Um, really? Uh, I've stopped seeing lots of shadows in the ba basement, like lots of those things, like now knowing that he's here, he's running around protecting things. He's, you know, monitoring, doing his little due diligence. And then I did have health complications in August where I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And it really took me down for pretty much all of September. And it was a very difficult time, uh, especially in my health where I'm supposed to be this health coach. And now I'm, you know, going back to that self-worth aspect of going, I'm supposed to be helping people get healthy and I can't even get my own health under control. Like what is going on and having to go back and go, no, I'm, I'm worthy of this. And I know that I can do this. And here's, you know, here's the journey and here's the healing that I've done so far. So I just need to continue to have that faith and just keep pushing forward and know that everything's going to be okay. So knowing ironically, because he was the last person I ever wanted to hear from in that first reading, but now knowing that he's kind of here and he's not going anywhere and he's kind of just going to keep things under wrap has been really helpful so that I know, okay, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I just need to keep pushing forward. Now, how is that helpful? Do you think? Cause I think that a lot of people are trying to listen in because you know, it's really hard when someone passes away period, right? That's always difficult. But when someone yeah. passes away where maybe you didn't have the best relationship with, it's really hard sometimes to like accept their help, you know, because it's like, mm -hmm. wow, you kind of did me wrong and you did me dirty. So like, why would I accept any help from you? But how has that helped yeah. you? Um, I've had to look at it from just a different lens of going, well, if he's willing to be here and now you know what you did and you, you know, I, I very much believe once you pass, like you, you get that bird's eye view of here's the things that I did. Here's the great things. Here's the bad things. Here's the mistakes that I made that hurt other people. And I can at least do something to fix it on this side, even though we don't feel like it's that in that physical form, it's looking at that viewpoint of, well, now they've come, you know, taken accountability and now they're here to try and do something about it. 
So I can either accept the help or, you know, even in our reading, you were like, he's not going anywhere, even though you don't really care about that. And I'm like, (laughs) well, you know, (laughs) I mean, okay, I'm glad that you're here. Like, thanks for being here. You know, finally, I guess it's kind of like, well, if you're not going to go anywhere now, like at least do your job, please. Thank you. You know, stay over there in the corner. (laughs) That is so funny because I had no idea during your reading that, um, or at least I don't remember, you know, such a big time of your life where he was not there. So to me now it makes even more sense that where he's like, I am not leaving. And it's like very rare for me to say like it, like that, like a spirit is going to be in your home, like all the time, you know, trying to make it up to you, you know, it's kind of cool and also kind of rare too. So just know that that is um, 100% him now yeah do you um do you have any other like so some people are like hey how do I know if my issue could be stemming from maybe in a memory that they have like that like your blueberry muffin is there any tall tale signs that could possibly help break them out of this rut that they have um some of the biggest telltale signs are you if you really really struggle with emotional eating um if you eat when you're sad if you eat when you're stressed if you eat when you're overwhelmed if you've lost weight, but you've gained it all right back, like those are the telltale signs to show there's something in the past that needs to be looked at and needs to be healed or acknowledged or something like work through so that you can really pinpoint and know, okay, here's, you know, how I felt back then. And here's what I can do about it now. So those are some really big telltale signs, especially the ones where you lose weight. And I'm talking like, lose 20, 40, 50, like I've lost 50 pounds before and then just went right back up. It was just like that automatic whoop right back up. And I was always like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And it's not that anything's wrong with you. It's that there's something in there in the past that it needs to just be unlocked and and recognized as here's part of your past and here's part of your journey. And then also switching that perspective. Um, I talk about the car accident a lot, but even with my father leaving, like those are two huge things in my life that now I look back and I'm really grateful for it. I'm grateful that I went through those battles because it made me who I am today. And it makes it so that I can relate to people and I can say, yeah, oh, you've got daddy issues. Okay, great. You know, I know how to deal with that. Oh, you've got trauma. Great. I know how to deal with that. So it's just switching your your perspective of how can you be grateful for the battles that you've gone through and that you've had to deal with, even though some of them might really suck and you, you know, can have a hard time feeling grateful for them in the moment or even years after it's okay. How do we shift this perspective so that you can really use this as fuel instead of using it as something that's holding you back, even though you're not, you know, consciously using it, it is something that will hold you back. Oh my gosh. And I do have to ask though, with this car accident, was it monumental? Like, did you go through a lot of healing and things like that with that car accident? Yeah, actually. So I was T-boned on my driver's side. Um, I made an illegal left-hand turn over double solid yellow line. So don't do that. <laughs> I did it. So you don't have to. Um, and I was T-boned on my driver's side. I broke my back, my sacrum, my hip, my head went through the window. I had a traumatic brain injury. Uh, all of my airbags failed. And honestly, Um, I think that my father was one of the reasons that I went through that and survived because I went into the trauma room of the emergency room and I had nurses coming up to me even after, because I did a five day stint. I did a night in ICU and then four, you know, four extra days in the hospital beyond that. So I was in the hospital for five days and I had doctors, nurses, people coming up to me going, 
what kind of car were you driving? Because you should not be here. And I had glass miss my eye by, you know, a centimeter. I didn't need to get anything pinned back together. So I went through healing where I was six weeks non-weight bearing. So I had to be in a wheelchair. If I went outside of the house, I had a walker inside the house with the little tennis balls, like the whole shebang. And then after that, I went um, and did six weeks of physical therapy. Now, right before I did physical therapy and started, because I was at a very mentally low place, I had never, because of, you know, my father and abandonment issues, I didn't like to rely on people. I don't like to ask for help. So when you're at a point where you can't shower yourself and your spouse is literally wiping your butt, it's like, whoa, okay, I need to get out of this. So I went up, I was living in Arizona at the time, and I went up to Sedona and I went and got my first crystal. And I started shoving crystals in my bra <laughs> and I went into physical therapy and I looked the first week and I said, listen, I am a mom. I have a three and a half year old who loves to be picked up all the time. Like I don't have time for this anymore. And they were like, yeah, but you broke your back. So we, you know, you need to take it easy. And I'm like, that just doesn't work for me anymore. So I went in and they told me, you know, well, you need to keep your walker, like do not stop using your walker, do not stop using your wheelchair. Um, so I came in the next week with a cane and they <laughs> proceeded to ream me. They were like, if you're gonna not obey our orders, we're going to um, not punish you, but we're really gonna push you in here. And I was like, okay, bring it on, let's go. I'm like, I got crystals shoved all up in my bra. So, well, you know, I can handle whatever you got. The next week I came in using nothing. And after six weeks, I checked myself out of all of my doctor's visits and all of my, you know, I checked out of my neurologist, my pain management clinic. Pain management was shocked because they're like, we've never had anybody willingly check themselves out of pain management. We're like, I don't know what to do with that. So, um, so it took them like 45 minutes to find the paperwork. And then after that, and then I moved to Oregon. It was one of those, like, I'm done with this now and I'm gonna move to Oregon. And they're like, that's a horrible idea. You're going to have, you know, so much pain and arthritis pain and all these things. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to take my life back and go do my thing. And so that's kind of where that journey landed. What? Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Like, like everybody listening right now is like, oh my gosh, how can I get a piece of that pie? So what do you think was like the number one thing that really helped you heal? Was it your determination? Was it positive thinking? Was it like not taking no for an answer? Is there anything that you could give us to let us know? Like, okay, maybe I'll try that. Um, I think it was very much mindset. It was very much like the mindset of, um, I kept saying like, I don't have time to do this anymore. I don't have time to not take my kids to school, to not drive the car, to not do all these things. And even when I moved to Oregon, it, getting back behind the wheel of a car and driving anywhere significantly was a challenge, but it still was in that mindset of like, I can do this. I've been through a lot of things before. I must be a cat. I've got nine lives. Like this is what we're doing. So it was very much that mindset. And, you know, like I said, I put crystals and all of that in my bra, but I think that that goes along with that mindset and that belief system of, of like, you know, I've got this protection and I can, I can do this. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I just love this so much. And I actually have a story to share with you because you're really, really going to love this as a sugar de de detox coach and with you really believing in the power of positive thinking. But it was really funny because when I was 30 years old, you know, go into the gynecologist. Yes. It looks like it's a cancerous tumor. I used to basically monitor my tumor on my ovary. Like it was a baby. I swear I would go in every couple of months and they would monitor it. And then finally at the last one, the, even like, even the ultrasound deck was like, this looks way too much like cancer. Like you really need to get with your doctor. Long story short, went to many different doctors, went to the oncologist. Oncologist is like, hey, it's less than 1% chance it's cancer. Um, don't even worry about it. We're just going to take out your one ovary um, and we're going to take out the tumor and you're going to be fine. It was going to be a 45 minute surgery. Well, guess what? <laughs> about six hours later <laughs> inside of there, I wake up with a complete hysterectomy, um, 32 staples going up my stomach. And I have to wait a few weeks to find out what stage cancer, if what it was, and then where it had spread. And luckily they had done a biopsy of my other ovary. So they're like, Hey, we don't have to take out that ovary. You're good. You know, um, they found out that like the cancer didn't spread, blah, 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 blah. So I was really happy with that. So now if you fast forward so many years and I'm with my gynecologist again and not the oncologist and he's like, Hey, um, you have a tumor growing on your ovary. We are monitoring it. He was like, it looks like this could be cancer again. And I'm like, dude, I am not getting another surgery. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. Cause he doesn't do this type of surgery. He would have to refer me to the oncologist again. And I'm like, no, like this is not happening. And so what ended up happening was I went on my diet. Like I usually do when I get sick. And so I just ate a whole bunch of fruits and veggies, you know, I drank a lot of fresh, uh, fresh veggie juice and all that stuff. And, you know, definitely got all processed foods out of my diet and I was eating so clean. And I even did like a juice fast for a couple of weeks because I, my body likes it. And during that time I went ahead and I got an ultrasound and the ultrasound tech was like, okay, yeah, you're good. And I'm like, well, Hey, could you compare it to the last ultrasound? And so she did it for me. And when she looked at it, she was like, oh my God, you're one the last time look like it was cancer. It was crazy. She was like, look at this. And she showed me the ultrasound and she was like, this looks like it's cancer. We can't figure out what it is. Like there's a lot of stuff inside of this tumor. She was like, but now if you look at the ones now, she was like, you do have more than one. She was like, there's several of them, but they're very, very clear. She was like, if I would see this, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. And it would just practically go away. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, it's Wednesday. My surgery is on Friday. For a complete hit. Now I'm going to have to take my other ovary out. It's going to send me through, you know, menopause instantly. And I ended up still going through the surgery because my husband was like, hey, Heather, it still can be cancer. You don't know. But I'm like, man, if I would have just had one more week of eating healthy, and this was all in less than a month that I turned a cancerous tumor around just by like my diet, getting some of that crap out of it, no sugar either. And then bam, I, I really regret that in a way, but I do understand that everything happens for a reason, but I bet you that kind of story does not surprise you. No, definitely not. And I'll tell you, because I had my gallbladder removed when I was 25 and now I'm like, man, I wish I had that organ still because <laughs> that's just do something. But when we take all that processed junk and especially sugar, sugar feeds cancer. Um, so when we take that stuff out, it's amazing the transformation that can actually happen in the body because the body wants to heal itself. And that was even with my car accident, you know, it was like one of those things, like my body wants to heal itself. So let's just like, let's just let it do its job. And so when you take all that junk out and you really give the body the best chance to do things, it's crazy the things that will come out of it. 
oh my gosh, it's bringing back so many memories because when I first woke up spiritually, everybody knows that it's because, you know, I had seizures out of nowhere right after my grandmother passed away and it was very traumatic and that kind of thing. But what, you know, I don't tell people is that when I like came home from the hospital and I'm in the middle of battling these seizures and figuring out where in the world they came from, um, I got married and my husband would be like chopping up vegetables for me, you know, some cucumber slices, some green pepper. And it would take me five, six hours to eat one of them because I wasn't used to eating vegetables. Like they were disgusting to me. And now I just laugh because like that is like a majority part of my diet. But and we were just talking about the other night. I'm like, don't you remember when I couldn't even eat just a couple slices of cucumber? But I think what it was for me was that I got addicted to the healthy food because it helped me. I got off all my seizure medications. You know, I'm not, I went with my doctor and I worked with him slowly, weaned myself off. But then I realized that the food that I was eating, I was addicted to it. It was keeping me sick. There was so many bad things. And then also yeah. spiritually speaking, like it can mess up like your spiritual connection and stuff like that because of the red dyes and all sorts of things and like sugar, like you were talking about. And have yeah. you seen that? Have you noticed I that with you? Absolutely. Because I, you know, as a, that recovered food and sugar addict, I mean, I used to drink a two liter of Coca-Cola every single day and like no water, no vegetables. If you even today, like if you ask my mom about fruit, she'd be like, I don't like fruit um, because that, and we just grew up, I grew up on very highly, highly processed foods and then had severe health complications. And then even now I'll find, um, people who are like, I feel like I can't concentrate. I mean, I have ADHD or I have this or I have that. And once you start to take that shit out of your diet, it really changes even just your cognitive thinking, how you respond to things, how you can handle your mental resiliency, all of those things. So it doesn't surprise me that you kind of spiritually woke up in that because you had less of that process, Jeff, because that really, it has such a, an effect on the body and the brain that we don't even realize what it's like to live without it. Once you go without it, like I'll run people through the 10 day sugar detox. And at the end I'm like, okay, you can have a treat today. And they're like, mm, I really think I'm just going to keep this going. Cause I feel so good. I feel so clear headed. I feel like I have so much more energy. You know, it's, it's crazy because people are like, mm, I don't really want to go backwards. Yes. And anytime that I do any kind of cleanse, I'm like, eating, I go back to eating some of the things that I used to eat, like maybe like a Starbucks, you know, or a peanut butter cup or things like that. And that's when I'm like, I take a first bite or first sip of it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go back to Starbucks. I'm like, can you like dilute this somehow? Like, because we get so used to it. And then I think because we get used to it, then we crave more and more and more of it. And then before you know it, we're, we're like blowing through our sugar intake, getting ourselves like a sugar high. And we don't even realize that. Yeah. It is very much a, a very big drug where once you, you hit a certain point, you need more and more and more. Your taste buds become so desensitized to it. So that's why, like I'll tell people, give me 10 days, just give me 10 days. And the crazy things that can happen, it resets the cravings in the brain, but it also resets your sweet receptors on your tongue. So when you go back and you try and have a treat, a lot of people will be like, I couldn't even finish my treat because it was so sweet. Um, that I, I just can't even deal with it. And ironically, um, once I started taking those things out of my diet and I really started to eat a lot cleaner and eat more fruits and vegetables and really just eat more actual food instead of processed things, I see more angel numbers. I get more messages. Like I messaged you on this. I was like, Hey, and you were like, I was about to message you. Like, what is going on? And it just, those synchronicities start to really happen. And you could track those things up to coincidence, but I, 
for me, I don't see them as coincident because it's like, if I'm seeing angel numbers consistently all the time, because I'm on a detox, it's there. It's you cannot compare. And I'm like, well, 10 days before I wasn't seeing this many. And now here we are 10 days later. And I, it's like every single day. It's so true because our bodies are our, our vessel. It's our communicating tool. It's the way that we receive messages, whether it's going to be through our eyes, you know, whether through sensations and things like that. And when we're eating like crap, like it's going to get into, you know, certain areas of your body and, you know, inflammation, all those little things can cause stuff, you know, like cause issues. Um, and it just reminds me of so many health issues. Cause I think that empaths, people who are sensitive, people who are open spiritually to, I feel like we're more prone to be having health issues because I see it all the time, even within myself. And one thing I always come back to is, um, number one, here's something too that I forgot about and I have to share before I forget, is whenever I am craving something bad or, I'm, well, first off, you probably know sometimes when you're craving certain something, it's because you lack in something else. You know, we could talk about that. But I always ask spirit. I'm always like, hey, take this craving away from me. You know, like, take it, please help me. Like, I do not want to eat this. And so oftentimes I think that we think that we need to do everything by ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing you were talking about empaths, and here's a, a thing that I really find a lot with empaths, especially um, healers, nurses, police officers, those types of those types of people that they deal, they de we deal with a lot of trauma from people. I'm an empath. I have gone through my entire life going through the grocery store where people will stop me and tell me their whole life story and like cry. And you just put off that energy. So you're taking on so much. And I find that those types of people really, really struggle or can tend to have struggle with food and sugar addiction because you're trying to numb and deal with all of those emotions and traumas and all the things that you're like, ah, these aren't mine. So if you don't know how to deal with those, then you'll go right, you'll dive right into food because it's, it's very easy to numb the body with food and especially sugar because our brains are really looking for dopamine. And that is a really quick hit of dopamine sugar. And it's like, Ooh, and it's available everywhere. So the brain will hunt for those because it's like, I'm trying to get you to chill out and make you happy. Here's this quick fix instead of knowing how to deal with that and to release it on your own so that you don't have to. Isn't it true that they did a study with mice and that the mice actually preferred the sugar over the cocaine? Isn't yeah. That, I mean, yep. I and, heard that. And food and sugar addiction. So a lot of people went back into like, oh, you know, this isn't real or this and that and the other, because there's only been recent studies because who funds a lot of studies when it comes to food, food mm, companies. Yep. So they're not going to find, you know, fund a bunch of studies saying our food is addictive and it's bad for you. But those studies have been dated back to the fifties. So even if you look at big tobacco and how they progressed, the food companies are the exact same way and they're owned by big tobacco. So it's all of those that are just trying to rep repress you and keep you addicted on their products so that you just keep coming back for more. But they also did a recent study giving mice sugar and then other mice and they dropped them in like a pool and there's like a little area for them to get out, right? And the, the, kid, the mice that aren't on sugar, they know every day right exactly where to go. And so they've trained them and then they'll take, you know, half of those same mice that have already been trained. They already know where their steps are and how to get out of the water. And they'll start giving them sugar water and they get dumber. Like they, they start to drop in the water and then they start to forget where they're supposed to go. 
and you know start to need to be rescued out of there because they don't remember where the steps are. So our cognitive decline goes down significantly when we have these processed foods in our diet. That's shocking, I, right? <laughs> it's so shocking because, okay, everybody that's listening, and I know you too, we really have to look and see as our society if we are getting smarter or not. And I think that we all know what we have been seeing. Um, and it's insane. And to know yeah. that there could be a correlation between this, that is crazy. That is mind blowing right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't want to go full tinfoil hat and be like, you know, they're doing it on purpose, but just like the tobacco companies knew that their products were addictive and that they were killing people, the food companies know what they're doing. And so they know that it, it causes severe cognitive decline, which then, you know, once we get further down into it, you're looking at Alzheimer's, dementia, all of the things that if you start to take these foods out and even fake sugar, um, when we're talking about aspartame, sucralose, you know, those types of things where a lot of people will do a substitute, um, that will even cause cognitive decline. So if you're somebody who's spiritual and you have gifts like that, that will just numb that part of your brain and you then you don't have access to it. You don't remember how to access it. Um, and it feels almost like a part of you is lost. Wow. Yes. You are so right about that. Cause I noticed that too. Like I have to eat right. Cause if I don't, then I feel like, like you just said it, like it numbs my spiritual connection. So I always try to eat really, really healthy. And on days that I don't have readings then maybe I'll eat a little bit worse, you know, have those treats and stuff like that, but yes, you're so right. And then it's so addictive too. So who knows yeah. um, if they have our best interest at heart. Cause you know, everybody loves the monies, you know? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Okay. So is there any other kind of advice that you would give to others who have went through something similar that they have found out like, yes, you know, I think that I have some memories that stem from like food and it could go back to, you know, my mother's situation, my father's situation. Is there any first steps, next steps, anything that they should do? Um, the biggest advice I would, do, I would give and not because I am a coach, but would be to work with somebody through that. Because if you don't, um, you can, you can heal it on your own, but again, it can also feel like your, your head is hitting a wall and you're just trying to go at it over and over again, and you can get really frustrated and it can get really stuck very easily. So it would be, my advice would be to work through something, um, with somebody. Now I'm not ever going to say therapy is bad. I love therapy, but it's not an, an idea of, I need to go rehash and unpack all of this stuff and cry for hours and hours and hours to deal with that is how do I find someone who's going to help me shift the lens and shift my perspective so that instead of trying to tiptoe around the fire, I know how to go right through it and get through it on my own um, with the help of someone there holding your hand on how to do that. So that's something I would really recommend. And especially when it comes to weight loss, because there are so many other programs out there, finding someone who works within those realms of knowing the emotional aspect of eating and knowing trauma eating, those types of aspects are really key and important to look for. I'm so excited that you said that because I was literally thinking about that today. So maybe like spirit knew that you were going to say that because I have also dealt with like issues around health, weight, all that my whole life, you know, had eating disorders, you know, all those kinds of things um, growing up and everything. And recently, as you know, I got into bodybuilding, which can be really unhealthy when you're in the prep area, but I was doing a reverse diet. So basically my, I hired a coach and she was working with me to figure out first, you know, how many calories am I burning, you know? 
know, and then get my calories up to that and then slowly work my calories up so that I can like gain muscle and become healthier. Well, one thing I didn't know that she was going to do was going to make me eat so healthy, like no processed foods, getting all of my stuff from whole foods, you know, and making sure that my sodium stayed down a certain amount, making sure that I'm getting fiber and then real fiber on top of that. Like she was calling out some of my BS, you know, like here I am eating like tortilla wraps and stuff like that. And she's like, okay, take out the tortilla wrap. Now put it in with a whole food carb, you know, and every single week that I've been working with her and it's like, she's just pushing me more and more healthier. And then I'm realizing that I'm breaking through the addictions and things like that, that I wouldn't do if I would have just done a quick health scheme, like I've done in the past, you know, like, oh, who's done keto here? Who's done a juice fast here? Who's done paleo? Like who's done all of those ones? But it's like almost like getting with somebody that can call you on your BS, that can show you the way. And I think also hold you accountable. That's the big thing. So that when I go to want to pick up like a peanut butter cup or something, I think twice about that now, because then I have somebody that's going to be looking at me and she's going to be like, hey, she, she, she will find that stuff in my, my, in my, uh, my fitness pal where she looks and she'll see it. Like I had a mimosa once. And so I, I, I logged it like I was supposed to, but then she was like, okay, so maybe next week don't do any of the juices and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? So is that something that people can work with you on? Yeah, absolutely. I love tracking food and all my clients track their food for, through chronometer and um, I'm super accessible. So it's, I literally can go in and see it 24 seven in real time and see what people are tracking. And so I'm like one of those coaches, if I'm like, oh, let's just see what's going on. Or someone's like, I'm really tired or I'm struggling with my cravings today. I'll go in and look at what you had yesterday and the two, you know, the day before I'm like, well, you, you haven't eaten enough protein that's going to help keep you satiated. So I'm very much like that. I work within that accountability range, but also the biggest thing that I love doing is I love explaining the inner workings behind it. So telling people like your protein, that's going to keep you satiated. So you're not going to be more prone to having cravings or you're able to easier to say no. I had a client today who sent me, she's on day two of her sugar detox and they brought in voodoo donuts, two big packs of voodoo donuts. And she's like, I'm so full that right now that I couldn't even eat one of these donuts if I wanted to. So I give a lot of the reasons why we do things behind it and work very much on accountability. And then if someone's like, I'm bombed, I was so bad. I'm like, I don't wanna look at it as in you were good or you were bad. What did, what were you feeling? What was happening this day? Like, what did, what were the inner mechanics? Oh, I was really stressed with work or I had a fight with my daughter, or, you know, all those things. It's like, okay, here's how we deal with this. So that next time you're not diving into trying cookies or anything like that. Um, you can stick to your, your healthy nutrition plan that you're supposed to be doing. And it's easier to say no to those other things because you're like, I feel so good that I don't really want to have the donut mm -hmm. that's in the office break room, you know, and, and I know that that's just going to bring me right back to where I was. Oh my gosh, that brings up memories too. Cause like, I remember feeling so empowered too, when I can turn down that stuff, I feel like so badass. I'm like, yes. And then just like now, like I don't really eat bad, but man, sometimes I just want a Starbucks because I love the um, the experience of it. Probably because it also reminds me of my mom, you know? So I love going to Starbucks, getting one of those snazzy coffees, going running my errands. Well, since I've been eating so healthy, I'll do it like once every couple of weeks. But what I realize is that every time I do it, I feel so sick afterwards. I hate it. And so now finally this past week, I'm like, let's go get your Starbucks. And I'm like, okay, but it's going to be a plain black coffee because I can't do that snazzy stuff anymore anymore because when you are feeling so good eating such good foods then it's like when you eat the bad thing it's like oh okay I, I can't even do this anymore <laughs> yeah yeah my clients we, we put it we put it on the scale of like what's worth it and what's not 
you know, I would love to go eat some chicken fingers and French fries, but I know afterwards I'm going to feel like trash and I'm going to probably need to take a nap. And then the next day I'm not going to want to hit my workout. It's just going to be one of those where it's, it hits that roller coaster. So it's in that, you know, yes, let's have treats, but also let's look at what treat is worth it and what's not. You know, if you deem your Starbucks worth it, maybe you have, like you said, you have your black coffee, so you still get that experience. And that was something, especially with my kids, because I started to notice with my son, especially he was starting to hide candy wrappers and, you know, starting to do those things that I used to do. And I'm like, I need to switch my experience and, and my interaction with them so that when we go do stuff, we go do fun stuff that doesn't involve food. Yeah. So that's not the core memory. The memory is, oh my gosh, remember when we used to go to the Wreck-It Room and we used to go just smash TVs and all of these things with mom, like that was so fun or go painting or something like that. So it was one of those where I really made a conscious decision, especially with my own kids to build their core memories that weren't focused all around food so that they didn't have to deal with those later on as well. I love that. That is something that I am trying to implement more in 2024. So instead of meeting my girlfriends for lunch, you know, it's like, okay, like, can we could go for a hike? We've done that a few times, you know, like, hey, let's do painting with a twist. Let's do something that's else besides around food. Um, so I think yeah. that is such great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, so no problem. I also want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your wisdom. You gave us so many golden nuggets. I feel like, you know, everybody's just spiritually more connected just from hearing this. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out to you and find you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of the things. And you can find me at the Sugar Detox Coach. So I run the 10 Day Sugar Detox Program. It's one of those that I run. I'm actually on day nine myself right now. And I'm going to do a longer sugar detox. I'm planning on doing most of January up to 21 days, possibly 30. Because once you hit those points and you're like, I just want to keep going. It just feels so good. So I, I'm running one right now, but I'm running a live round. So everybody's kind of in the group that we're all doing it together, which is really great. And I find that that's, you know, you were just talking about friendships too, having those supportive people around you. Um, and I always call them food pushers. If you have a friend who all they want to do when they get together, if you suggest a hike or something else, or even errands, and they're like, no, I only want to go to lunch. That's a food pusher. That's someone who is maybe a once in a while meetup friend if you want. I'm not saying you ever have to get rid of friends, but if you have a friend who really wants to be in your life, then they'll do those things with you. And if you can't find people in your life like that, um, I build that community in with all my people because I'm like, you know, I remember what it was like. The first sugar detox I ever did, I failed horribly because I, number one, I had no idea what I was doing and I had no support. I had no people who, you know, I actually had person a person tell me, my goal is to get you to get off of your sugar detox. And I was like, like, that's your goal. You should be supporting me on the other side. So yeah, I, I, I like to have that, that built-in support as well. That's so important. And I think that a lot of us, we are surrounded by people that are kind of like that. You know, they want to sabotage yourself, ourselves or they want to talk crap, you know, because you're changing, you're growing and they might be a little bit resistant to that. But so I love the fact that you're like, yeah, you need a community behind you or some peeps, you know, whether it's going to be yeah. within, you know, your community or maybe a community they build or they find themselves like that is going to be one of the key elements for them to get, you know, really healthy and more spiritually connected. And who knows, maybe maybe even more signs from the other side, like you've gotten with your dad. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, having those supportive community and the people around you that don't look at you going, you know, you're doing what, like, 
you know, when I tell my friends now, well, I just had a, I just had a reading and my father's still hanging around the house. They're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Instead of looking at me like I'm a nut job. So having that community around you that understands what you are doing and what you like and your goals and what you have for yourself um, is super important. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for leaving us with that last little tidbit. We appreciate you so much for being here and for joining us today and sharing all of your amazingness with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Spiritual AF Life podcast. You'll find all the links to resources and more in the show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on the incredible episodes that are coming up.